Money could almost buy absolution, she mused. The only thing it couldn't get her was the man she wanted most. She fingered her teacup of gin with a long, slender finger, its pink nail perfectly rounded. The color matched the dropped waist frock she was wearing with its skirt at her knees. It would have shocked Marion Whitehall and the local ladies around Spanish Flats, she thought. Like her friends, she wore her hair in the current bobbed fashion. It was thick and dark and straight, and it curved toward her delicate facial features like leaves lifting to the sun. Under impossibly thick lashes, her pale, bluish-gray eyes had a restlessness that was echoed in the soft, shifting movements of her tall, perfectly proportioned body. She was twenty-four and looked twenty-one. Perhaps being away from Coleman had taken some of the age off her. She laughed bitterly as she coped with the thought— Her eyes closed on a wave of pain so sweeping that it counteracted the stiff taste of the gin. Coleman. Would she ever forget? It had all been a joke, the whole thing. One of brother-in-law Ben's practical jokes had compromised Lacey after she'd been locked in a line cabin all night with Cole. Nothing had happened, except that Cole had given her hell, blaming her for it. But it was what people thought happened that counted— In big cities, the new morals and wild living that had followed World War I were all the rage. But down in Spanish Flats, Texas, a two-hour drive from San Antonio, things were still very straight-laced. And the Whitehalls, while not wealthy, were well-known and much respected in the community. Marion Whitehall had been in hysterics about the potential disgrace, so Cole had spared his mother's tender feelings by marrying Lacey, but not willingly. Lacey had been taken in by Marion Whitehall eight years ago, after Lacey's own parents died on the Lusitania when it was torpedoed by the Germans. Lacey's mother and Coles had been best friends. Lacey's one remaining relative, a wealthy great-aunt, had declared herself too elderly and set in her ways to take on a teenager. The Whitehall's invitation had been a godsend. Lacey had agreed, but mostly because it allowed her to be near Cole. She'd worshipped him since her wealthy family had moved to Spanish Flats from Georgia when Lacey had been just thirteen to be near her great-aunt Lucy and great-uncle Horace Jacobson, who had retired from business after making a fortune in the railroad industry. Great-uncle Horace had, in fact, founded the town of Spanish Flats and named it for the Whitehall Ranch, which had sheltered him in a time of desperate need. He and Lacey's great-aunt had been a social force in San Antonio in those days, but it was Spanish Flats Ranch, not Great Uncle Horace's towering Victorian mansion that had fascinated Lacey from the beginning, as did the tall cattleman on the ranch property. It had been love on first impact, even though Cole's first words to her had been scathing when she'd ridden too close to one of his prize bulls and had almost gotten gored. That hadn't put her off, though. If anything, his cold, quiet, authoritative manner had attracted her, challenged her, long before she knew who he was. Coleman Whitehall was an enigma in so many ways. A loner like his old Comanche grandfather who'd taken him over in his youth and showed him a vanished way of life and thought. But he'd been kind to Lacey for all that, and there were times when she'd glimpsed a different man, watching him with the cowboys. The somber, serious Cole she thought she knew was missing in the lean rancher who got up very early one morning, caught a rattlesnake, defanged it and put it in bed with a cowboy who'd played a nasty practical joke on him. 
the resulting pandemonium had left him almost collapsed with laughter, along with the other witnesses. It had shown her a side of Cole that she remembered now for its very elusiveness. Despite his responsibilities at home, the lure of airplanes and battle had gotten to Cole. He'd learned to fly at a local barnstorming show and had become fascinated with this new mode of transportation. The sinking of the Lusitania had brought his fighting blood up and convinced him that America would inevitably be pulled into war. He'd kept up his practice at the airfield, even though his father's death had stopped him from joining the group of pilots in the French Escadrille Américaine, which became the exclusive Lafayette Escadrille. When America did enter the war in 1917, a neighboring rancher had taken responsibility for the ranch and womenfolk in his absence keeping the land grabbers away with financial expertise. Meanwhile, Lacey and Katie and Ben and Marion had watched the newspapers with mounting horror, reading the posted casualty lists with stopped breath, with sinking fear.